1: so end of february already no i didn't sign flying yeah, you know, be Christmas before you know it.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and leave it to at least June <laughs> before we start talking about Christmas again. I
1: know, uh, I know, I know. You'll be thinking about Christmas presents soon. I tell you, I will But at the moment, what? we're we're in the middle of uh, awards season, aren't we?
0: We are. It's Oscar territory. Yeah. Um. And yeah, there's been lots of awards flying around. Um. Do you do you keep track of all the award shows, Brian? Is that I, I
1: try you know? to, but there are so many, aren't they? You know when. It's usually when the Golden Globes start, you know that's the beginning, don't you? Then you've got the Screen Actors Guild, or you've got the BAFTAs and the Screen Actors Guild, then the Oscars. And it is difficult trying to keep track, but I I think it's fairly clear what the best films of the year have been. I don't think they deviate very much, do they? I mean, they say that the Golden Globes are the precursors to the Oscars, and they're a good indication of where their thinking is. But the word is Oppenheimer, isn't it, I think?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, do you think it's going to win? Like, yeah, it's already won several, right, at the time of recording this. Um, yeah. I think it's going to win most of the ones left. I haven't seen it. You've seen it, haven't you?
1: I've seen it, yeah. I mean, obviously I, I had my issues with it, which are not that substantial, to be honest. I just found it slightly over ambitious, but it is a very good film, and I'd be quite happy if it won the Oscar for Best, best Picture. You know, uh, particularly when you look at what else is nominated, but there you go. Perhaps we can talk about that post post Oscars. Well, I think it's
0: one of those uh, discussions that gets everyone very heated. And I, I, I mean, I'm so far behind because I, I don't catch up with the films as, as quickly as I should. But you're you know, right on the front line of this all. Yeah, you're oh. really watching all these films as they yeah. come out. Yeah, you know, was know. there a film? Was there a film last year that you thought yeah you know, was deserving of the Oscar, but is just nowhere near that you know, the front line of. Contenders.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are certain films that never, never quite get the attention they deserve. And I think that's more the case now than ever. One film that always stood out for me, but that completely missed out any nominations of any note, was Till, the film about Emmett Till, the 14-year-old boy who was lynched and, and murdered. And it was more about the story of his mother, Mamie, how she showed the world what they did to her boy. Brilliant. Brilliant film, but just completely got eclipsed in in the Oscars and the Baftas. Nobody took any notice of it, and I think it is so sad. But I think that's the the um, the products of the the age we live in now that certain films will not get the attention they deserve, and some films I, are overpraised. It's. I it's definitely
0: odd. agree with that like, in terms of like the marketing strategy now. Like last month, we reviewed Saltburn, and. It's a good film. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a very good film, and I I really enjoyed it. But it's—I'd say it's—you know—in the middle. I don't—I don't think it's anything particularly uh, jaw-dropping. There's nothing about it's a good. It's a very well-made film. But I think because it had the Amazon star power machine behind it, that everyone was talking about it. And like you say, a film like Till—I remember you talking about that on our show um, last year. And I, it's like, yeah, that's the type of film. You know, it needs to have a light shined on it. Yeah. It needs people to go and see it. But if it got like a a minimal kind of theatrical release, you know, yeah. people didn't, you didn't get the bums on seats that it needed. Yep. Um, it just kind of gets lost in the, yeah. in the you know, the waves of all of the cinema releases. And I think that's a bit of a shame sometimes. But then awards season does also have the ability to shine a light on some gems because sometimes yeah. it does. You, you, a few will come through, especially. In the lesser-known categories, like you suddenly go, oh, that that won an Oscar for something, and you go, well, better check it out because you know it wouldn't get that recognition yeah, if it wasn't at it, least half decent.
1: It makes you curious. I mean, I I think it's interesting because um, Maestro's been nominated for an Oscar. It's got four or five nominations in the big categories, and that's the life story of uh, Leonard Bernstein, which stars Bradley Cooper and Rosamund Pike, and it's very good had a very limited release in order to qualify for an Oscar it has to go on theatrical release for a set amount of time but you could literally have seen it on Netflix at the same time more or less you know but yeah. they satisfy the rules and that's that's kind of the opposite that's a film that that might have been might have flown under the radar had it not been for the uh, the pulling power of Netflix it is very influential now
0: there you go. Well, in this episode, um, we are chock-a-block. I don't... This has got to be one of our biggest slated (laughs) uh, list of films that we've ever tried to attempt. Um, So, welcome to UK Film Club, if uh, you're wondering what the hell's going on. Um, It is essentially Brian and myself... discussing all manner of films we will cover cinema releases some streaming films indie films and also look back at a classic movie um i won't tell you what the classic film is right now um, but i will go um because i've (laughs) had it in my head yeah i've had it in my head quite a lot (laughs) um but yeah we have got an enormous amount to get through um so, yeah, what we do is we like to re- um, review some of these uh, films, shine a light on them. Uh, we have some that people have actually asked us to review, they physically sent us. Uh, so we'll get to those in the indie section. Uh, but first off, we're starting with the films that have been or are available at cinema uh, mm-hmm. recently. Um, mm-hmm. And we even have a film, both of us have seen this, I hope, um, yep. that isn't available yet. Um it's coming out in March, I believe. I will look up the uh, official <laughs> release date shortly. Um, but we were giving we were given a, a pre-screener yeah. to this. Um, and the film is called Banal and Adama. Um now from your ums and ahs, Brian, you yeah. have seen this, right?
1: I've seen it, yeah.
0: Yeah. And um whilst I look up the release dates, do you want to give a, a quick synopsis yeah, on this one?
1: Sure, of course. Cool. So Banal and Adama. Directed by Ramata Sai starring Katie Main and Mamadou Diallo. A young couple in Senegal must contend with the disapproval of their remote village and its elders. A visually beautiful film, great use of light, shade and colour. They've got the wide plains of Africa to film, so it looks absolutely stunning. The storyline I found slightly thin on the ground. We've got this couple trying to break free of the tribe's influence. And the fact that Adama has refused to be head of the tribe, which has led to, supposedly led to a drought and the death of villagers. I'd like to see a bit more going on there, but otherwise, a very solid picture, very well made, beautifully shot, and some very sensitive portrayals there of a different way of life, a way of life that we wouldn't comprehend at all, a very simple life, a very austere life. But not always a very happy life if the two characters portrayed or anything to go by. But good stuff. There's a lot of good stuff going on there.
0: Yeah, I think you're right in terms of that. uh, For me, it felt like a gothic story. And it was like, you had this way of life that was completely unlike anything that we are used to in the Western world. Um, But there was so much going on there that was relevant, you know, in terms of talking about gender roles and talking Mm. about expectations of the generations below um because adama obviously he's like the is a chief of the village but he's very young i I think like his father died or something and they are very keen on keeping those bloodlines in the in the chiefdom as it were um and then so there's a lot of expectation on him as a male you know to provide not just for his own family but for his village and you know, for everyone yeah. um and then but he's torn because you've got this love story obviously with banal and you're, you're like rooting for them as this mm. beautiful young couple yeah. they dream of like digging yeah. their home out of the sand I know, I know. around like, the outskirts of village but, and
1: but it just makes you yeah it just makes you wonder what what an incredibly different life that we lead and the comfortable life that we lead compared to some but The life they are living in their village in Senegal is probably no different from the life that their ancestors would have lived 100, 200 years ago. That's what struck me about that, is Mm. that progress in itself, or what we would see as progress in the Western world, um, literally stands still. And that's what I find interesting about it. Um, But, you know, as I say, visually, it's great to look at. Absolutely brilliant to look at. I mean, you may well think that you can't go wrong filming in Africa, really, because the scenery is absolutely spectacular. But I like the way they handle extreme close-ups, and they allow silence to drop into the story from time to time. It's something I'll come back to with, with other films that we're reviewing, but I think silence, if you do it properly, can be really effective in a script because you allow the story to breathe, the characters to breathe... And you have time to contemplate the story as well. So
0: I think it makes it that much more haunting as well as a film. Because yeah. like, there's lots of different genres at play in this movie, but it's definitely got horror elements to it, like um, mm. you know, what happens in the story and some visuals as well. Like, I won't go into it, but there's a, uh, a shot of her on top of a well in a red dress. Yeah, And it yeah. just really... Stuck. And like you say, I think that silence is mm. so unnerving. It makes right. you go... Oh, it sends it's- chills down you, and that's why, like I said, it felt gothic. It felt yeah. like a um, a story that you would have told yeah. you know, centuries ago, I know. and there was something about it as well that felt almost um, sort of unnatural to it. Like it yeah. had this element of like what's going on around these characters, around this village, and you know they they allude to this as well that you know maybe she's um, done things to. Uh, cause these uh, horrific things to start happening, yeah. and and also it doesn't ever veer into that territory. It doesn't veer into the okay, right now we're going to get all gruesome like at all. That's not at yeah. all what this film is like. It's far yeah. more intelligent and mature than that. It's more sophisticated. I think it yeah. it causes you to do a lot of the imagining yourself. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: which is yeah. which is more challenging in a way where you don't see it all. Like, it's where the filmmaker leaves a certain amount inside your own head, which I think is quite clever and not easy to do. So, um, yeah, it it just it's got a great look and a great feel to it, it really has. Uh, but you know, it's the visuals that strike strike me more than anything else. But you know, it is I guess it's it is about tradition, superstition, responsibility being passed down from father to son, and. Really, I feel they're trying to break away from that tradition and live their own lives. That seemed to be the, the tenor of the story. And it's a question of whether they were able to do it or not. And they have parental pressure on them, don't they, as well? For yeah. Them to do what, what they feel is the right thing, not necessarily what Benao and Adama think is the right thing as well.
0: So. I think the, that came to sort of a lot of fruition with the, like the expectation on Bernal to like have children, and I think that's a strong yeah. theme through this. You know, in terms of what's expected of men and what's expected of women. And I must say, uh, Katie mainly plays the uh, Bernal character. She's incredible. She's so engaging to watch. Like you're yeah. you're watching her and absolutely lethal with a slingshot. Am I right? I mean, there's yeah, there's poor you're, birds. You're...
1: You wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of her, would you? Let's put it yeah. that way. No, you know.
0: um, but it's a fierce <laughs> performance. It's really strong, yeah. and I think on a film like this, where you know it's playing to its strengths, like the the location amazing, but it, it's yeah. not going many places. So you do have that element of it's very claustrophobic it's insular that you're relying heavily on the actors to do the the, that sort of heavy lifting and i think that they've got a great cast here um and the direction's really good
1: i think they've they've all got potential i think the leading players in this film you would imagine them going on from here and Mm. you know breaking out into uh, the u.s stroke british film industry shall we say but you can't imagine them staying put you know it in other words, I suppose what I'm saying is they won't stay provincial. They will break out of that. Because they're they, very photogenic. Both both leading actors have got something there. You know, so yeah, very solid piece, I would say.
0: Here you go. Uh, so banana Dharma is out in cinemas in the uk and ireland on the 15th of march 2024 depending on when you're listening to this um and has done really well at festivals you may have caught it at last year's uh, bfi london film festival it was also uh, a can selection uh toronto as well so it's it's done very well critically i you know we were talking about till earlier this feels like the type of film, again, that will go completely under the radar. And uh, as much as we'd love to say that we're shining a light on it, I I don't, do you get that feeling that it's not going to get, you know, the eyes it deserves?
1: I think so. It's, it's not going to do great business, sadly, but that's no indication of how good it is, you know, Mm. because so many films now, I think we often say this on film club, that so many films deserve, uh, a bigger platform and deserve more praise, but it almost works the wrong way around. The films that deserve the attention don't get nearly enough. And films that you think kind of, yeah, okay, but, you know, you shrug your shoulders a little bit, but they yeah. go mad over it. And <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, I, I don't know. It's all about opinions, isn't it? And, you know, some films have an a natural momentum about them, don't they? There's, uh, They are self-perpetuating and they generate their own publicity. And for some reason, they work. But it's not immediately obvious to me, or possibly you. But you know, as I say, you know, um, it's the way it works now. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always make sense to me. um, If I'm really being honest. But there you go. There
0: you go. It's not meant to make sense, Brian. No, no, it'd be
1: boring. It'd be boring (laughs) if it made sense, wouldn't it? Really.
0: Well, hopefully the next film makes sense george clooney's the boys in the boat um you've seen this brian i haven't seen these next uh, cinematic films but brian has what do you think of uh, the boys in the boat
1: okay then so let's do the basics then directed by george clooney starring joel edgerton callum cerner hadley robinson and peter guinness this is a true story based on the book written by daniel james brown the story begins in the mid thirties as Joe Rance is trying to pay his way through college. Washington University are looking for rowers to fill their junior eights boat. The lucky eight will get bed and board, but more importantly a regular wage. They might even clinch a spot representing the USA at the nineteen thirty six Olympics. The boys come under the watchful eye of Coach Al Ulbrickson, who has to mould a team that will compete with the wealthy Ivy League universities. Joe is gently motivated by a childhood sweetheart Joyce who senses a champion in the making. Now, Chris, this is all about underdogs fighting the system. Working class boys out to prove that money can't necessarily buy success. It's a touching story of sporting excellence and a desire to be the best. It's never corny or sentimental, but tells a story of honest graft and genuine endeavour. It was a much simpler world on the cusp of global conflict, yet these values still endure as an example of the way a good life should be lived. I love this, Chris. I yeah. really think it's great. For me, the film of the month. Because, oh, film of the month. Yeah, film. film of the month. I've got to say it of the five that we're looking at, or say six, including, um, in, including, um Beno and Adama, this is the best of them. It's a true story. So it has more impact because you know, it's a true story, but it's told with a lot of guts and a lot of honesty. I love the way George Clooney directs rowing. I don't think is a particularly easy sport to capture on film either. You know, you don't see a goal being scored or a touchdown or a try being scored. You just you're just filming a boat on a river, but the way he captures it is absolutely brilliant. I love it. There are really nice performances throughout. Peter Guinness is very good uh, as the the grizzled uh, boat builder really good love this but as we've just mentioned that you know how great films can fly under the radar this one's going to do the same it's still on general release you've got to look for it but I, I think it will be coming to the end of its run on theatrical release more's the pity because I think this is a terrific film really a lovely film
0: it looks fabulous and like you say, I said I've got a lot of time for clean these filmmaking and with a cast like this it's you know yeah. you
1: know,
0: got a lot of reasons to, to be watched yeah. I think you know there, like you say there's that essence of it's mostly about rowing that yeah. it's gonna fall outside a lot of genres you know sports films yes that's a big category but yeah. I, I, I mean I just googled like rowing films and there isn't really much on there that sort of I'd say that um that that big it's not like boxing you know like boxing films yeah. you could list them all day um but often with these stories obviously it's it's far more about the context you know obviously what's going on and i love films that are set in the depression era i think yeah. that's it's, it's yeah. such a, a rich uh ground for stories and yeah it is this sounds like one of those movies where it's going to be that. Like, oh, I'm so glad I've heard that story. It was like yeah. um in our previous episode, it was the Anthony Hopkins film. Was it mm. one one life? Is that what was called one life about Nicholas Winston,
1: Yeah, yeah. But, yeah.
0: Oh, I never heard about. It. And it was like such an important story that right. suddenly it's like yes, we, we you know we we got that, and that I think is really important, especially at the moment with the way filmmaking is going. You know, it, it becoming more. Uh, I don't know, just bland, I guess. Like just you know, they, yeah. they they're trying to make the movies as cheaply as possible, as yeah. blandly as possible. That someone like Clooney who does have a, such a artistic merit to his name. He could have gone off and just been an action star, but he hasn't. Like he's chosen to go and do this, you know, make these yeah. films. I think they are worth our time. Um, yeah, absolutely. is it is it cinematic though? Is it worth the cinema visit? That's what I always wonder with these films.
1: Yeah, it's a good point actually because because I would say most films do, but a lot you can get away with this film you've got to see on a big screen to see that have the full dynamic view, get the benefit of Dolby surround this has got to be seen on the, on the big screen. And I think you realise what a very good director George Clooney is. You know, I, I'm i a huge fan of Clooney as an actor and a director. But he knows what he's doing. You know, he, he's got a, a great eye. And he sees what's most important in a story. Now, look, you know what I'm a big fan of, of sport I am in general. I didn't know this story at all. You know when you're vaguely are vaguely aware of it, but I didn't know the background. So I learned something new, and I felt slightly embarrassed that this was big. These are Olympic uh, competitors, and I knew nothing about them. And so for, even for me, as a huge sports fan, it's something I didn't know about. So if I didn't know, I'm sure there are a lot of people that wouldn't be aware of the story as well.
0: Absolutely. Uh, you, know, you are doing a service, Brian, by I hope telling so. us all about these films. I hope cause... so. Yeah, I wouldn't. That's have known
1: that's either. that's my job. If I can do that, my job is done.
0: Yeah. So that's the boys in the boat, uh, as Brian said, currently on release, but very limited. Um, probably going to go to streaming, mm. not not too long uh, for that. But let's know what you think because yeah. it sounds like a fantastic movie.
1: Yeah, love
0: it, um, love it. Boys in the boat. Now, I watched the Elvis film recently. Um, oh, right. the one called yeah. Elvis uh, gives you a hint guys and girls yeah. and everyone in between right. that we're, where right. we're going next for the next film um, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really strong yeah, Baz Luhrmann film, uh, great, great movie so I'm very intrigued to hear what you're going to say about Sophia Coppola's Priscilla yeah,
1: Yeah. okay so yeah, as you say, directed by Sofia Coppola, very, very solid director you know uh, a careful hand on the tiller You'd expect it to be good, and it is good. stars Kaylee Spaney and Jacob Elordi, who we saw recently in Sawburn, didn't we? Uh, Based on the book written by Priscilla Presley, this is the story of her life with Elvis. Now, because it's based on, on the book written by Priscilla, I don't doubt its authenticity. There's no exaggeration, no mudslinging. She's got no reason to lie and can only be a true account of what happened. On that basis... I find it disturbing and quite creepy, actually. Let's make no bones about it. Elvis groomed Priscilla from a young age. She was 14 years old when they met. He wouldn't let her go out to work. He told her what clothes to wear. It's a textbook study in coercive control. If that's what happened, if that's true, I'm working on the basis that it is a true account, and there's no reason why it wouldn't be, but i put that proviso in. Um, so fans of Elvis will not enjoy this film. You know, they say never meet your heroes. I'd supplement that proverb and say never learn the truth about your heroes because you will be upset and disappointed. But, you know, it throws the light on the dark side of Elvis. Um, as I say, Sophie Coppola does, always does a sound job in the films that she makes. Although I would say, though, that the the interior shots are, are in darkness. I, I'm not really sure what they were getting at there, but the lighting was terrible with the interior scenes. I'm not exactly certain why that was the case, but otherwise, very good film, very well made. And interestingly, there are no Elvis songs on the soundtrack, (laughs) which I I think is a good move in some ways because it's not necessarily about Elvis. It's about Priscilla. But there's a great soundtrack of 60s and 50s music, but a good, solid tale. And as I say, quite quite disturbing in, in its own way. Very effective, very well made. It's
0: interesting. Yeah, I I, I hadn't heard amazing things. I've kind of I read some good reviews and some sort of middling reviews. Yeah, and I think you know, just my my very limited knowledge of Elvis and Priscilla, I was I thought yeah, it's definitely a, a person of history that deserves a, a film. You know, to find out you know, she was so close yeah. to Elvis, but also had her own story to tell. Yeah, um, and I think these are the sort of films and stories that if you're a uh, aficionado of the time you're, yeah you're gonna you're gonna watch it like you say and, and you'll know the history whether it's true mm. or not um but i don't i personally i don't care if it's true or not like i, I find sometimes that does get in the way like people get a bit <laughs> funny about it They're like, oh well that didn't happen no, like no. this and it's like, no, no, yeah, but you know no. they've got to tell this story right it's not about right. you know what actually physically happened um I mean, even documentaries don't do that like even yeah. documentaries have to try and like you know kind of put together some narrative um but i I also think like you say that when there is authenticity when you are at least sure of the source that you can kind of go be a bit more invested in it i guess because it's like okay well actually some of this is going to be based on truth obviously you take it with a pinch of salt but there's a there's a enhanced viewing experience there because the narrative is coming from
1: that person yeah, uh, I mean, even for Priscilla, it's an interpretation of the life that she had with Elvis, right? Who better, who who better place to, to talk about Elvis than Priscilla? She was married to him. But again, like I say, you always kind of put that that uh, health warning on it. Because, but then again, as you point out, it's interpretational, isn't it? It's what you mm. see. It's what you experienced. It's the it's the spin you put on the facts, right? And in one person's eyes it's going to be totally spot on. In somebody else's eyes, it won't be. You know, and that's, I, I suppose that's the challenge of of uh, putting true events on screen is that you can't always be absolutely faithful to the truth. But it's supposedly based on a first-hand account. It, on, that, on that basis, you'd go with it and say, well, yeah, I mean, and you, you put yourself in her shoes and what she must have gone through. And you know that, Everyone, you know, everyone has a dark side. One thing I would say about this film, though, um, Jacob Elordi, who plays Elvis, who we saw in Saltburn, is one hell of an actor. He perfected Elvis's southern drawl down to a T. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. You know, you wouldn't think it, he's Australian, Jacob Elordi, and in Saltburn, he played a character with a you know uh, a home county's accent, and you wouldn't have thought. He was anything but English, you know? And there he is playing uh, a high-profile historical figure like Elvis with as authentic a Southern American accent as you'll ever find. He's definitely one to watch. I was really impressed with him.
0: There you go. Fans of Jacob Elordi will be very happy to hear that. Um, so that's Priscilla, yet yeah, currently in theatres as well. But um, at the time that you're hearing this, it may not yeah. be. But do let us know what you think, because um, mm. we're always intrigued. Absolutely. Um, now, this next film uh, has been talked a lot about. Is a lot of people uh, obviously big fan of the director, Yorgos Lanthimos, Um And I've I've seen a lot of different things. I'm intrigued to see what Brian is going to make of Poor Things.
1: I am Bella Baxter. I'm a flawed, experimenting
0: person. I seek outings and adventures. Bella, so much to discover You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen I am finding being alive fascinating Bella yeah.
1: Why I keep it in my mouth if it is revolting <laughs> I must go punch that baby We must experience everything Not just the good But degradation
0: Shall we see?
1: Horror And we can know the world. And let me know the world. The world is ours. We no more. No more. Oh. Anymore's too much. Yeah, right, okay. So this, you know, it's on general release doing good business. Um Directed by, as you just mentioned, Yorgos Lanthim, Lanthimos. 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 Yeah. Well done. You've been rehearsing that,
0: haven't you? Uh, well, it's one of the few directors yeah. where I was <laughs> like, oh, John, I'm going to learn that one. Because <laughs> oh. um, I, I love The Lobster. I thought Lobster and The Killing of the Sacred Deer, both fabulous films. Yeah. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what
1: this is. He's, he's a very capable director, for sure. This is starring Emma Stone, Willem Dafoe, and Mark Ruffalo. What we have here is a female version of Frankenstein, with some bells and whistles added. This is the tale of Bella Baxter, a young woman who is brought back to life by a brilliant and highly unorthodox scientist called Godwin Baxter. Bella's life takes an unexpected turn when she escapes the gilded cage built by the Doctor. She lands in Paris, where her life is never quite the same again. Now, I would have to say, this is a a very well-made film. It's a good picture. I'm not denying that for a second. But what I am surprised by is the acclaim that it's received. Again, it ties in with what we were discussing earlier on about films that get passed over, films that are overpraised. This film has been nominated for eleven Oscars, and it's won five Baftas. And I'm, whilst it's good, I'm not sure it's that good. Um, you know, the, it's actually very explicit. Uh, the sex scenes are really Really explicit, leave nothing to the imagination. It's virtually all I can remember of the film. Really, uh, <laughs> strange that, isn't it? But anyway, yeah. um, it leaves nothing to the imagination, as I said, and it obscures what is a very intriguing story. You know, it has its merits. It, it's it's good, but it's not that good. And the fact that it's got five bathers already shows how highly regarded it is. But this is where you've got an academy of elected representatives voting for a film set against what the public might vote for. So there is that kind of trade off and we've got the same scenario with the, with the Oscars as well. Very good film. It's good, but it's not that good. If I can put it Uh, that
0: way. Wow. I mean, I wasn't expecting that, but it, it hasn't put me off watching it at all because right? I think yeah you know, I've I've recommended his films before to people I said oh you should watch The Lobster and yeah. they've done that awkward thing where they've come back to me and gone yeah I couldn't get through it and I'm like oh okay yeah right um, and yeah. like if you haven't seen because funny enough uh, Barry Keegan who we reviewed in saltburn uh, last month keeps yeah. coming up that film um yeah, so, he yeah. he was in the killing of a sacred deer i wouldn't recommend that lightly to anyone because yeah. it's quite it is a very dark film um yeah. so with this i think you know if if you're in that genre and you're happy with that genre then definitely you're gonna watch it but yeah i think like you say when a film starts to get all that acclaim you do start to think, okay, is there a reason behind that? Like, is there a reason yeah. why this is doing yeah. that well? Uh, um, yeah. Is it connections? Is it, you know, is it a, a voting thing? I don't know. don't yeah. um, yeah. be cynical, but it could be.
1: Well, look, you, there always, always is that possibility because, you know, members of the Academy, members of BAFTA are elected, they're put there for a reason. And there is this kind of relationship between uh, the Oscars and the BAFTAs and awards that are voted for by the people, by the, the public. And I, I think you would get something totally different if the people were voting for it. That's not to say this isn't a good film. It is. But I don't feel it reaches the the heights and the zenith that, that it seems to have climbed to. But Emma Stone's very good. Mark Ruffalo's very good. Willem Dafoe goes without saying he's going to be good. You know, it's a good cast. It's well designed. Um, Emma Stone plays the part well because for much of the film, she is very childlike. And as the film progresses and the plot moves on, she grows up very quickly without giving too much of the plot away. But she grows up and she becomes an adult. So I would say it's a challenging role to play, which she does very well. Uh, You know... It does kind to me, I look at that film the way it looks, it, it does remind me a bit of Baz Luhrmann, the way he would approach a film. Um, but, you know, it has its merits, but I don't really see how it, it, it gains that much support and how it's so revered. But, you know, it's all about opinions, you know.
0: It is. And that's all we have at the that's end of
1: all the we day. Have. <laughs> all we have re- that could be our buzz phrase for the time being. It's all we have is our opinions. Exactly. Yeah. I don't
0: think it'll catch on, unfortunately. There's, no, there's too much, too much but, marketing going on these days. I uh, know. We'll
1: have to try a bit harder, won't we? Yeah. 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 Well,
0: hopefully the next film tries a bit harder. Um, so let's see what Brian made of the colour purple. Don't keep
1: me waiting. You keep your head held high, just like mom taught us. What if I say go? You got to stand up.
0: Hell no. There's going to be some changes made.
1: This ain't me. Hush. We need to look like we belong. It's time to see hell no. hell, 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 hell no. Oh, Miss Seeley. <laughs>
0: you look Enough for you. Oh, you got
1: to say, you need to say, you better say. The women at this table have lost their minds. Now you're preaching. Ugh. Hell, 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 no you went hell, hell, Head to the door. When I do my dance time I'm on the and i And let a man Take me that low. Ah, right. Okay. Now,
0: listen, listeners will be thinking that little bit by Brian there, is that a good? Ah, right. Oh, or a bad.
1: Ah, oh, right. Okay. Am I still that mysterious? I thought I was quite easy to read. <laughs> well, okay. Let me tell you then. Right. Colour Purple, directed by Blitz Bazawule. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Correct?
0: I'm going to give you full credit for that. That sounds sounds right.
1: <laughs> well, if she's listening in, I I do apologise. But, you know, anyway. Um, starring uh, Fantasia Barino, Taraj P. Henson, Coleman Domingo. Now, this is an adaptation of the Broadway hit musical based on an original book by Alice Walker. Listeners may also be aware of the 1985 film Directed by Steven Spielberg and starring Whoopi Goldberg. The story in a, in a nutshell. Should we go for the story in a nutshell? Yeah. We're in Georgia at the turn of the century. Sisters Celie and Nettie are separated by circumstances beyond their control. Seeley suffers years of abuse from a cruel husband in a loveless marriage. But gradually she finds strength to lead an independent life. Thoroughly enjoyable film. The songs are great. I'd love to see this on stage. I find it amazing. It's never been on, on the West End, been on at the West End, never been there. Um, but hopefully this film will, might give it a, a route to the West End. You never know. Uh, I've got to name check the songwriters, Brenda Russell, Ailey Willis and Stephen Bray. They did a great job. The performances are amazing too. Fantasia Barino, God, that girl can sing. She's amazing. The only downside for me is that the songs bury the story to a certain extent. The original novel goes to some dark places, and you lose that in the context of a musical because it is so joyful and happy clappy, you know. Um, but if you want more of the story itself, this spill the Spielberg version is better but hugely entertaining, really is gorgeous film in that way. But it dilutes the story, you know, the mute, the fact that. The musical, the songs should carry the narrative, and they do that. But because the story is is so broad and challenging, it gets lost when they convert it into a musical. But that might be a minor point to some, but very good entertainment though. Wow, I th- see. I misread you. I thought you weren't
0: going to like this. So that yeah beginning ah right uh, i got completely you know, wrong so uh, listeners if you guessed right then yeah. you know you know brian better than i do yeah.
1: um yeah i'm keeping you on your toes lana christine eh?
0: absolutely so- I, I mean yeah th- i'm always uh reticent when it comes to musicals because i do find sometimes that like, i get a bit i don't know just a bit bored of it or or it's not sinking for me that you know the whole breaking into song like, it, it just jolts me out it's kind of like theater sometimes when you watch really good theater you're like okay yeah i was really immersed in that then there's other times where you go yeah i was very aware that i was watching people act <laughs> Yeah, you know it is that i think yeah. you want yeah. to be sucked into the musical yeah. if, if you're going to do that and it sounds like this does that um, and it's entertaining i think that's another yeah. thing with musicals they have to be entertaining yeah. um but People will let us know. Um, it's yeah. in cinemas, and I think you can even get it on Amazon already. It's on the the rental
1: I think side. It, yeah, things. I think it is. I think they they tend to overlap now because logic would tell you that it won't go, it won't stream until it finishes at uh, at the cinema. But they do, you know, they do overlap. So yeah, I think they've got deals in
0: place, haven't they? Yeah,
1: so you can see it on the small screen. But you know, the I take on board what you say about about musicals, and I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm always very um, ambivalent about musicals on film because I don't think they always translate particularly well. But, you know, I think the, the Steven Spielberg version of The Colour Purple is an interesting counterpoint because if you want to appreciate the story, it's Steven Spielberg every time. You know, it's that's got to be the best. But if you want pure entertainment, great songs, that's Buzz- Buzzawoolay. Um, I was showing off there. I, I knew I. <laughs> I thought I'd say it again. Anyway, um, yeah, very good. Otherwise, though, but you know, it's. I think I think you you always lose the story slightly with a musical, you know. But...
0: There, there you, you go. go. Mm. Colour purple. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, go to the our last cinematic release, um, not a film about. The Plymouth football team. I'm guessing uh, this film is called *Argyle*. I am such a fan, and this is honest to God. Your best yet. I'm not just saying it. I'm not.
1: Oh yeah, what is it you do? Espionage. Right. The greater the spy, the bigger the lie. Hmm. That's cheeky. Oh, not what you expected a spy to look like, huh? Well. Yeah, in fairness, that is just about the only thing your books get wrong. A male model and a bespoke neurojagger jacket with a stupid haircut. tends to stand out on a train. As opposed to everyone else in this car. Them? You don't notice. Have I lost you? You all right? No, I'm fine
0: through it to my Matthew Vaughan. Mm-hmm. What's this one, Brian, and should we care?
1: Should we care? Well, it's a, middling, it's a fair to middling sort of... Um... Uh, oh,
0: yeah, you could tell your tone there, yeah. definitely.
1: Give <laughs> it away then. Did I give away? Yeah, that?
0: very quickly,
1: yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, Matthew Vaughan film starring Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Rockwell, Henry Cavill, and a host of cameos. Uh, I feel this film could be a filler whilst we're waiting for the next Bond movie, if I'm being honest. Ellie Conway is a successful novelist, Who specialises in espionage tales? Her latest book features Argyle, a recurring all-action spy master. Ellie lives quietly, but is constantly berated by her mother Ruth, who thinks she should get out more often. As fate takes her hand, Ellie finds herself on a train, sitting opposite the mysterious Aiden Wilde. He urges Ellie to trust him, as always, not what it seems. Surrounded by aggressors, she is quickly convinced her life is in danger. They flee with her cat Alfie strapped to her back in a see-through glass case. It seems those stories are getting too close to the truth and threaten a sinister uh, organisation led by uh, Agent Ritter. Great entertainment, brash, colourful. Set pieces are well executed. Totally absurd, but that's okay. You know, it's tongue-in-cheek. It sends up the spy genre. And Bryce Dallas Howard Sam Rockwell are great in their respective roles, they have an absolute ball playing this part, these parts. Good cameos, as I mentioned. But I've got to say something about Dua Lipa as Lagrange. Uh, she, I feel she struggles in a very limited role that demands too little of her abilities. Um, it's not the film she should have chosen if she wants to break into serious acting. On screen, she looks absolutely sensational. She looks gorgeous, but doesn't do a lot of acting. Struggles to put one word in front of the other. It's not the part she should have taken. And almost in a way, I'm surprised she took the took the role, because it gives the impression that she's there for decorative purposes. I mean, she does a great dance routine with, with Henry Cavill, who plays Argyle at the beginning, and it looks great. But it's it just feels so disposable, the character and the scene. It it doesn't do anything to the film at all. And I thought she would have chosen something a bit more challenging. But there you go. There
0: you go. Well, you know, <clears throat> some other actors that pop up, uh, yeah, Richard E. Grant, John Cena, it sounds like, yeah, that sort of film, it's been made with a lot of fun in mind. You oh, know, yeah. All, yeah, we're going to just have a blast. Yeah. Um, the reviews aren't that favorable for it, no, but I no, don't no, think no. they would be with a with a film like this. Um yeah. but it'd be interesting to see what people think. And like you say, you know, if you're into the Bond films and all that yeah. sort of stuff, um, then you know, The Man from Uncle I actually quite like that, yeah. Henry Cavill didn't it? Um I thought yeah. that was all right. Well um I mean,
1: yeah I mean bear in mind that Matthew Vaughn directed The Kingsman and the oh. shows. And I found them hugely entertaining. But you know, it's a question of what people like and don't like. If you're not a fan of spy, light-hearted spy movies, you won't like this at all. But if you're a Bond fan, as I said at the beginning of the uh, the review, um, it's, it's kind of like a filler. You know, if you've got that kind of James Bond-shaped hole in your life, then this could temporarily fill it, you know. So it's not as dynamic as Mission Impossible, shall we say. But it's certainly at the bottom end, but it, it does the job, and it's pleasant to watch, as ridiculous as it is, you know. Um, in the written review, I I finished the, the review by saying that you need to um, have your disbelief suspended for prolonged periods of time, because it, otherwise <clears throat> you you'll get it'll get tiresome. But for its type, it, it's all, it's all good. There you go.
0: I just love the idea of them putting on the poster, you know, great if you're looking to fill your James Bond shaped hole. I you just know, think that, that I know, I know. you think that's good
1: enough well, it wasn't bad. You know. Yeah, not bad Yeah, um, no, it wasn't bad
0: And what a great place to finish our uh, reviews of the cinema movies um, So all of those are either at cinemas now um, or coming to cinemas in the case of Vanell and Adama uh, Do let us know uh, if you're on certain platforms, there's comment sections or just on our social media just let us know what you thought of those movies it's always good to hear what everyone else thinks yeah. um right. unless in which case you're going to be nasty uh which um, you know well about um, us in particular yeah <laughs> we, we don't want to hear about that like that's, no, that's fine right. keep keep we, that to yeah skin. yeah
1: that's right yeah we don't really want to know that do we, we don't no, really want to, want, want
0: to know that, that. Nah. um we're moving now to a netflix movie um this came out in february i believe and yeah, February the ninth on UK uh, Netflix anyway. Original title "Cool" uh, in English means ashes, and we've both seen this. Yes, Brian? We yes, 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 both yeah. both seen yeah. this, mm-hmm. and. I I got to be honest. I enjoyed it more than the reviews did. I think that it's yeah, been it's got a very low score on uh, IMDb, four point two. Um, but I had more fun with it. But I'm interested just you know, just your general impression, Brian. Yeah, Are you? I, is it? Was it good? Was it
1: bad? Yeah, yeah. It was reasonable for me. You know, I I think it works reasonably. Well. What I think was a problem with it is that it's a Turkish film, isn't it? Mm. Dubbed into English. I don't think dubbing lip syncing uh, Turkish onto English or English onto Turkish doesn't work quite as well. If you're dubbing a French film or a German film, lip-syncing works better generally. But I think with Turkish, it doesn't work at all. Because what you end up doing is that you watch the lips of the characters, or I do anyway, to see how well it, it syncs up. and It doesn't quite do it. And I think subtitles might have been better for this film.
0: Oh, did you not change it? I changed it. See, to, I didn't uh, change
1: it over. Yeah, see, I see. Yeah, did over that. yeah. Uh, I, I just, changed, I had
0: it on on the original language. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem at all with that, and I strongly recommend everyone do that. Um, yeah, I'm the same. I, I've seen so many films where I started in English and gone, yeah. whoa, 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 what's going on? Yeah, no, like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I definitely recommend if you're going to watch Ashes, do it yeah. in the original language. Yeah. and yeah. also, I think just generally, yeah, you know, this is a story. It's even you know set. In that location, I think it's important that people feel that authenticity coming yeah, through. I,
1: yeah, that's right. I, I agree with that. It, it was an oversight on my part because I just started watching and, uh, and it didn't occur to me to switch back. But I like the story. I like the story. The the idea that uh, I think it's is it Goka or Goksa, uh, happily married woman to married to Metin who runs a publishing company. She has her own clothing business and edits new books, and then. She becomes enthralled by a new manuscript and is drawn into the plot where reality and illusion become blurred. I like that. I think that's an interesting take. I've not seen a storyline like that before. I about you. Yeah, it's got this
0: kind of like fascination with books, hasn't it? Because obviously they're a publisher and then they've got this book that seems to be not coming alive. I think that's kind of being a bit silly, but she's reading into the story and then she sort of immerses herself into the story by chasing after the characters. That's right. And it starts to take on kind of like a sinister sort of yeah. feel. Um, yeah, it's and a very interesting premise.
1: Yeah, I, I like the idea. You know, originality is so difficult to come by in films in, in in any any sort of genre, right? There are you know there are only so many possibilities. You know, you think there are hundreds of thousands of plots you could come up with, but they're all derived from seven or eight classic plots aren't they but this is different it's unusual and when she meets with this um the carpenter keenan then the story gets to the, the heart of the matter more visuals are great i think it again like bono and adama beautifully shot the colors light shade again it's all going on there i i picked up on the fact it didn't get good reviews You know, um, you once you've got the, you've got it worked out whether you want subtitles or the dubbed English version, go for the subtitles. As you points out, it's a lot better. Stick with that, and I, I think it's it's a, an enjoyable movie. It works.
0: Yeah, the the chemistry between those two central characters, obviously you know, with their voices as well, that is so powerful. I think that was one of yeah. the best parts of the film was those two, for me. Yeah. Um, and I think the. Film much like a few films that we've talked, about, like Benel and Adama, it brings in multiple genres, but without jarring you, yeah. because there's this like powerful romance story, but then there's kind of a bit more like of a sort of sinister thriller aspect going on. Yeah, and I always know a film is 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 good if like my wife walks in and kind of goes oh what's this like she sort of she got <laughs> caught up in it almost instantly she was like oh, yeah. oh yeah, I but yeah. she's not a big fan of subtitles my wife so she was she didn't sit through it but um yeah, yeah. I think you know it's that sort of film it's going to sit on UK Netflix and a lot of people won't watch it you know, if you're not a fan of subtitles then you probably already have skipped no, past this review but that, yeah, I think a, yeah. it's it deserves a bit of recognition just for being an interesting story well made, Be- like you say, beautiful sh- uh, locations. The shooting is is amazing, mm. um, especially when they get onto like the rooftop and things. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: um, cool.
0: yeah, it's worth your time. And I one understand. of those films as well that it didn't get all of the promo that a lot of other films get. So right. hopefully we can do a service here just to yeah, shout uh, it let's, out.
1: Nice say, so. Yeah.
0: So yeah, pronounced "cool," uh, which is K U with yumlau L. Uh, if you're looking it up, or ashes. Um, mm. So yeah. Let us know if you watch it and what you think. Uh, It's on Netflix uh, UK at the moment. And all the best to those filmmakers, because I thought it was great. Yeah,
1: yeah. Good job. Did a
0: good job. 4.2. I I think that's outrageous. I really do. I don't think it's
1: 4.2. That's unfair, I think. That's
0: unfair. Um, Okay. We're now moving to the indie section of our show, which is where we review a selection of films that have been physically sent to us they've said please review our film and we are very honored to do so um because often these films get reviewed on the website but we don't necessarily get time to chat about them but mm. here we can make some time um and great selection uh, in this show we've got four films to review the first of which is a feature length uh called suit hung Tied Tongue. Now I had to read that slowly because yeah. so many times I've said it the wrong way around or said <laughs> yeah. it the right way. I think del- it's meant to, right? It felt oh, no, like that's deliberate. a tongue twister. Yeah. It's
1: deliberate, isn't it? Yeah. Not uh, um,
0: <laughs> which is uh, a feature-length drama uh, directed by Sal Dachi. Attention, people of Ireland.
1: 31 days from now, a top Irish official will be murdered. You will watch. You may or may not
0: understand, but you will recognize the sacrifice that we will make. This is not a joke. This is not a stunt.
1: Thank you for viewing. Ihoa and Kulasov.
0: Based in Ireland, um, and it takes on this kind of documentary style to tell a story about two brothers who... People are talking about them, and uh, some horrific events that have transpired involving them. Whereby, I don't think it's a spoiler if I say what happens because it does get yeah. mentioned very early in the yeah, film. Yeah,
1: it does. It, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. A, a political figure gets assassinated by these two brothers, and they are and a, and a police officer, and they're talking about them. Um, you know, there's like their family members or close relatives or friends, and it's it's got this, like I said, documentary style, and yeah. we then are going from, say, like their childhood, they're talking about, uh, they were sort of, you know, normal boys, you know, into like guitar and things like that. Um, but then how they drifted towards this sort of radicalised position that they were in and started doing videos and really talking about, uh, so it's this um, it Minister for Change, I think that's yeah who he yeah. was.
1: for Reform and Change. I reform think. and Change. Yeah.
0: Um, and we see press shots of him talking about his role and what he's going to do for Ireland and how this kind of stirs up trouble with the boys because they, or the brothers, they are under the um, belief that he is corrupt and ruining Ireland. And yeah, the film kind of starts to get momentum and escalate towards a really strong, almost visceral um, conclusion, which we already know what transpires, but I think it's still really powerful in the way that it unfolds. Um, what did you think of Soup Hung Tied Tongue, Brian? Uh,
1: well, let's let's not discuss the title anymore because I did really well pronouncing that. <laughs> yeah, book. say it five times now. Yeah, I know, I know. I couldn't even even attempt it. I was absolutely fascinated by this film. This, this is so clever what they've done because it's told in documentary style and I was watching it, the first 15, 20 minutes, I was... Bearing in mind that I didn't read too much about the film prior to watching it. So I went in and watched it cold. First 20 minutes, I thought to myself, God, I didn't know about this. I was convinced it was real, right? I was yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> they were talking about something that happened. 20 minutes in, I thought, I have to Google this. Why don't I know about this? If this happened in Ireland, why, why didn't I hear about it? You know. And but I thought, no, I won't Google it. But then I think half an hour in, it kind of dawns on you. <laughs> that it that it's purely fiction, it's dramatized. But that gives you an idea of how effective the film is because it makes you buy into the characters as being real. Right? And it's only when the I, th- I think it's only when they were interviewing the police inspector that I cottoned onto it. And then as you say, it turned very sinister and very ugly then. And the two the two brothers, the Helping brothers, beca- it became more obvious what they were about, who they were um, how their um, their attitude and mentality grew f- from early in life to make them what they are now and make them do what they did. But I think what was also very interesting about the storyline was that what they did polarized the nation that they either were either villains or they were heroes to some people because they were challenging the status quo, the norm, the norms, what people accept as being normal and civilised. Very clever filmmaking. Got to say, very impressed. And I, I was taken in for the first 20 minutes, half an hour. I, I was absolutely convinced it was real. And I'm always
0: dubious when the sort of pseudo-documentary style is used. I'm always like, yeah. oh, okay, right, because it gives you a lot of ability to explain, you know, explain the story and Mm. give give away the exposition, right? But the way this is done is really clever because it's really mysterious. You're like, they're giving you these little bits about what happened, but you don't know the picture yet. And it kind of unfolds really brilliantly. And what I liked as well was when the brothers start doing the videos, they have this countdown as to when they're going to attack. They say, they state when they're going to attack this politician. And they're, they're even surprised at how much momentum grows from yeah. these videos like they get like lots and lots of views yeah. and it starts to almost swirl out of control because maybe they weren't really that serious or maybe they weren't yeah you know it certainly mm. wasn't going to go the way it did mm. um and that I found the most compelling aspect was it was it was genuinely thrilling, genuinely mm. thrilling I was like I don't know where even though you know where it's going, you don't know where it's going. You yeah. kind of feel that you must you know, must keep watching. And uh, I love the bit because uh, the title refers to a poem, I think, or, or at least it's a bit of a poem. Oh, that's, right. okay. that's read over the film at one point. Um, and I thought that was brilliantly done. Lots of great shots. There's this really good... I don't know if it's a drone. I'm assuming it's a drone shot over the landscape at one point. I thought that was really well done um, because a lot of the footage is this sort of like a talking head sort of um, yeah. approach, but there are bits in it that are really cinematic. Um, mm. Yeah, I I thought it was great. Really enjoyed it. Mm. And sometimes right. when, you know, when we sit down to watch indie feature films, there is that element of like, okay, we, we've no idea what we're in for. Um, this really stood the test. I thought this was great. Um, Would thoroughly recommend it.
1: Yeah, so would I. So would I, actually. And I'd like to see it on a big screen as well. I know. think,
0: yeah, it would work yeah. on a big screen. Yeah, I think um, it would. In terms of seeing it, uh, so suit hung tied tongue, it, we were given a, a password-protective uh, screener, which would suggest that it's yeah still doing the rounds. Do um, you want to find out more about the film, the, the the company behind it is called Standard Practice. They have a website, standardpractice.ie, and they're also available on all the social medias. The film itself has a Facebook page, so I think that's probably the best place to go uh, for information mm. about release and things. Um, so go to facebook.com forward slash suit tongue, one word, dot tied tongue, one word, yeah. um, or Google it, or you know, <laughs> if you're that desperate, do email us and so we'll, we'll direct you to yeah. it. But um, yeah, you should be able to find it. and yeah, I thoroughly recommend that you do because it's one of those films that deserves the eyes. That I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of effort that's going to make this movie and for it to be as powerful and as evocative as it is, it really deserves uh yeah, good viewership.
1: It's very impressive. It really is. <laughs>
0: Okay, so that was I've done very well pronouncing that Can I just say, I've kept I don't think I got it wrong once (laughs) We're moving now to a film that I can pronounce uh, very well Uh, Settling Down Are you going to kill me in the butt too? Why would I do such a thing? You're our client All of this is for you, my dear You killed my husband You gotta put money in to get money out And you have got two dead bodies at sunk cost.
1: But this isn't what I wanted, I just wanted to...
0: wanted what?
1: To go glow have lunch on a beach in Mexico, dinner in Spain, be the fucking princess of Monaco? You should have thought about that before you eye-dude and swallowed a mortgage, love. You do know it comes from the same word as dead. You're going to list this fucking house, and then you're going to take your profit and we're going to buy another one. And you're going to drywall and tube the shit out of it. And then we're going to list that one. And you're going to do it again and again and again until we flip this entire fucking city. So unpack your fucking bags, bohemian.
0: Feature length comedy film, well, dark comedy, I think, uh, from mm-hmm. writer director Tom Rizzuto.
1: Uh, Brian, want to give the synopsis on settling down? Yeah, I'll give it a go. <laughs> so we we have we have a couple, uh, Faith and Mike, who have shall we say a dysfunctional relationship. It has peaks and troughs, like all relationships do. She wants to move house and he doesn't. However, Faith is unperturbed and contacts Huma, a local estate agent, who has ways and means of removing troublesome tenants and other difficult clients. And they are gradually sucked into a sinister train of events. I won't say any more than that because there is so much going on in, in this piece that to tell, to reveal more would, I, I feel in some ways almost spoil it. But it, it's, it's surreal in places, but uh, I was going to say gripping. Gripping's not the right word, but it's it's compulsive. It makes you watch. And there are random scenes that honestly don't make any sense. <laughs> you know, when, they, when they're in the restaurant and the woman's eating spaghetti off the, off the man's bare chest. Oh, yeah, that came
0: to my head, yeah. I, I still don't cool.
1: get that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't get it at all. But you know what? It it works. It's interesting. They've, got, um, they've packed it with interesting characters uh, that do work. And they can all act as well. I mean, what we mentioned on the last podcast that, well, I did anyway, that um, often with, with small indie features, you do often get actors who have very, very basic acting skills. But here, they've got they've got a cast who can all do it. They can all act. They're all very proficient actors. And that makes a big difference, really. But yeah, I liked it. It's got something about it, but I'm not sure what. But it, it's got lots of good things going on there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was definitely... Um a mixture of genres again like we said about a few films but this yeah. was kind of more in the ballpark of like a surrealist comedy with a bit of a dark edge i thought um yeah. it was yeah there were scenes that were very strange but it kind of it made sense tonally when you're watching it you kind of go this makes sense in the film that i'm watching mm. and it what like you say the compulsive is a great word to use for this yeah. i thought it was compulsive too i found that I wanted to know what was going on. I wanted to know yeah. how it was going to, you know, conclude. You know, with the, the wife kind of in, unwittingly enlisting the services of these, I mean, maniacs. Really, the, you know, yeah. what they do. The the actual uh, person who goes in. I'll try again, trying to spoil. Person who uh, does the nasty business he yeah. is particularly disturbing like when he's talking I was like you are really like odd Hello. and strange and, and yeah. you can't take your eyes off him that's
1: right it, it um, has an impact on you when you watch No doubt about it
0: and then there's like the two cops who are kind of investigating but quite badly um who <laughs> yeah. I think the director is one of those actors yeah. I think I might uh, be wrong yeah. um that had a kind of comedic element you know it puts in lots of uh, moments that are sort of funny in the film I found it scrappy at times. Mm. I thought it was scrappy. You can tell it's not a big budget film. And I mm. think that element of everyone was really passionate to make this film. There's a lot yeah. of people there putting mm. in a lot of effort that the, the result is scrappy. It is a bit like, mm. okay, yeah, like you've really got to be into this to, to stick with it. I don't, it's not a mainstream film by any means. No, it... um, but There's something there. Well, I mean, we've reviewed some surrealist comedies and things on this show a few times, and this is definitely better than some we've seen. (laughs) Uh, um, (laughs) But I I can also see that there will be people out there that don't get on with it, that don't get on with this style. Um, But I think that's true of especially comedy. I think that's true of any comedy Um, film.
1: I, I think you have to accept that an independently made film will have certain characteristics about it. And it will be rough and ready. It will be ragged. But you could argue that's part of its charm, that it's raw, right? And that's what gives it a distinctive edge. So you accept that. You accept that it has its imperfections and its flaws. And that, you know, if you're a fan of slick, big-budget movies, a lot of indie features won't necessarily work for you because they can't afford the same production values, but you accept it for what it is. And within its genre, it works well. And this film does. But I take on board the fact that it is it, it is rough around the edges. But, I mean, that's more about budgetary limitations than anything else. Isn't
0: yeah, it? 100%, 100%. And I also thought they did well to capture the... You know, there's a lot of comedy and bizarre things going on, but there's also uh, a theme running through about you know, being... I don't know, dissatisfied with midlife. You know, there's mm. this, like, you know, she looks at her partner who's wearing the, the mask you know, to stop yeah. him snoring. <laughs> and it, it's kind of yeah. like, there, there, there's that, there's that undercurrent of dissatisfaction yeah. with midlife. And I, I thought that there will be things there for viewers to connect with yeah. and there's things there for you to enjoy. And if you can stick with it, I think it's a, it's a decent film by yeah. the time you, you get into that latter section and it does start to sort of vamp up in terms of what's going on. Um, but yeah, hats off to, to the filmmakers and everyone involved with Settling Down. Um, the film itself, I don't... It's, we had we had a YouTube link, let me check. Yeah. Um, it might be unlisted. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's unlisted. And there is a website, settlingdownfilm.com, but I've just been on it, and there isn't any information about screeners currently. That may change by the time this comes out. Um, but yeah, you can uh, stay tuned on their website, um, or have a look you know they've got an imdb page as well sometimes that gets updated with screenings and platforms that it might be available on but the film is called settling down 2023 because i think there are other films called that if you struggle to find it um, uh, yeah. yeah yeah that's the, that's the situation we're in now brian there's so uh, many films they've even got the same names that it's just know, you know,
1: where I will know, it end i know there you go limitations to the english language isn't it really yeah, yeah.
0: There we go. So settling down, we're moving on now to a short film uh, written and directed by filmmaker Charlie Norton uh, called The Lost Weekend.
1: Those girls on the bridge were hot as fuck. Yo, I like to spend a night with them and show them how to fuck. <laughs> as if you can handle them. Do you know who you're talking to? Every girl in Barnstable County knows I got the best dick game in Cape Cod. Wet dreams don't count, Nick. Yo, James, what do you think of them? Uh, I thought they were like cute.
0: That's it. So, come on, come on. We get the whole I went to Catholic school, virgin thing, but don't you want to get your dick wet before college? I mean, I'm not, like, always horny 24-7 or anything.
1: Let's put it this way. Which one did you find attractive?
0: Uh, the, the one in the pink. Okay, okay.
1: okay. What well, would you fuck her? i
0: uh, Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if I'd, like, go... Fuck
1: her like right away. Like, I'd... James, it's not that serious. Treat the bitch like she's yours. Girls love to feel your touch. Shit that shit out of there. I mean, oh, James, oh.
0: James, dog, <laughs> pussy is
1: everywhere. I'm sure one of them will fuck you tonight.
0: Unless you're in the closet. I mean, maybe Dylan could invite some dudes over who can fuck you. But you'll never know what it's like to be a
1: man until you fuck a girl. Hey? <laughs>
0: Now this uh, could be a triggering film for for some people there's there's a few bits in there that are sort of slightly upsetting but it largely deals uh, uh, deals with toxic masculinity. I think mm. that would be the the strongest theme that came yeah. up for me. Yeah. Um it is uh about three guys uh the central character being James played by Brendan Egan who are having a summer blowout I guess um it, nice place in Cape Cod mm-hmm. and in typical almost kind of American pie-esque fashion they're chatting about conquests and sex and uh, all the things that you know guys yeah. apparently do uh yeah, yeah. not wasn't my uh, experience there. but well, anyway yeah. um that was uh, you know and then we've got so James is within this group but he has had quite a conservative upbringing he was uh, in Catholic school mm. And hasn't had any uh, experience with women yet, still a virgin, and struggles to deal with the sort of masculine views being put on him, uh, as well as being kind of goaded, especially by the character of Nick, played by Henry Lynch, yeah. who is quite a toxic force. Um, and the film starts with James refusing to. Well, not wanted to jump off a bridge and i thought yeah. that was brilliant because i don't know about you Brian, yeah. but when i was younger my mum always said to me when i got in with the wrong crowd <laughs> well if they jumped off a bridge was you
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, i think low. that was
0: every boy's childhood yeah. they had that said and i yeah. thought that
1: was a great way to
0: open this film i
1: know i know it, it does remind you a little bit of what your mum or dad might sell you don't, don't do what <laughs> the others do don't do what the what the big boys do i i like this i really enjoyed it I, I think it was well-captured, well-observed. I like the dynamics between the three guys because James, as you say, had the very cosseted, sheltered upbringing, who's been brought along by his friend Dylan. And you've got that friction between James and, and Nick. Nick, who's a lot more, much brasher, more forward. James is very nervous, uncertain of himself. And he's basically the plus one, isn't he, James, on that this particular yeah. trip? So I like that dynamic, the way that develops. And when the girls uh, are introduced into the storyline, uh, Caroline, then everything changes. And it's interesting to see the way James's personality evolves and develops over that weekend. And the way, again, it is a study of masculinity, isn't it? About a guy proving himself uh, to his peers. That's, that's what comes through really, really strongest for me. But yeah. I liked it. I, I think it was nicely played, well acted, well observed. It's good, you know. I, I think for a a, sh- a small independent feature, it, it's it's got it's got a touch of gloss that you might not necessarily get. With...
0: Yeah, it definitely felt uh, yeah. high end production yeah. value, um, yeah. which I think goes in its favour. And one thing I felt was they did really well capturing this sort of essence of coming of age and what i loved about it was this idea of it being yeah, you know, a throwaway type of weekend you know they're going mm. to sort of drink beers by the beach yeah but actually yeah. these are the type of events in someone's life that can actually be really defining you know their yeah. his reaction to characters put in front of him like caroline and you know the sort of bullish uh, nick yeah. it's These are what actually become really important to someone, even though they might not seem so at the time. And I love that. But I did feel that James's struggle to find his identity could have been fleshed out more. I don't, I think there was more to this. Um, There's quite a rapid movement from where he is at the beginning of the film to where he is at the end of the film. It's not, big enough within there I think you know it's just kind of they have this party and everything kind of kicks off but yeah. I felt that it needed more um you yeah. know I, that that was just my personal feeling yeah on
1: this. I, I felt that as well uh it it felt abbreviated in places because they you know you know they can't give it all the time they want they've got a limited amount of screen time they know that and you just feel that the story loses something as a result of the time constraints, which is unfortunate. But there's something in there, and that's a sign of a good, strong narrative that probably needs more than they could give, more time than they could give it. But yeah, you do sense there's more there. You you peel back the la- the layers of a character and the scenarios they're fleshing out. You think. Want to see more about that? Want to see more? But yeah, and I think yeah, that's a, that's a good it.
0: thing, right? It's like you yeah. want more of this yeah. film, and it does yeah. well. Yeah, you know, explores youth, friendship, relationships yeah. really well. It touches on like religion and yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of things that are big. But I thought that yeah, definitely would have been happy to watch more. That's another yeah. thing. So sometimes you are watching a short and you kind of go, "Yeah, uh, that's a shame that's finished." Yeah, that's I mean, I was well, just getting it, into that.
1: Yeah, that's right. You think it's just developing, it's just getting going, and then it then it stops. But No, I liked it. Yeah, it's good. I liked it. And, you know, what you mentioned earlier on about pivotal moments in someone's life that almost sets the tone for the way their life carries on. That's what that's dealing with here, is that those key experiences at moments in their life when they're on the cusp of adulthood, when they're not not quite a man not quite a boy you know it's it's that kind of the in-betweeners isn't it if I can quote um, the channel 4 TV show the in-between is where they're on the cusp of, of manhood so it deals with a complex area of anyone's life really well and as you say it covers a lot of, a lot of themes in the time they have available.
0: So, so that was a short film called The Lost Weekend. Uh, we were again given a password protected screener, but you can find out more about the, inf- uh, about the film on Instagram at The Lost Weekend Film, all one word, uh, or at their website, flyingcardproductions.com. Uh, yeah, definitely recommend seeking it out. Often yeah. with these short films, they end up on platforms like YouTube and Vimeo and you know, easy places to watch them. Mm. And I strongly recommend you know, seeking that one out. Really, really good. Absolutely. Okay. On to our final uh, indie film. And this is a feature length. Uh, it's a film called Tiger. Uh, not pronounced, uh, sorry, not spelt. Like the animal, uh, spelled mm. T Y G E R. Now, before we get into the film, I just want to ask Brian: Do you know what reference that had within the film? I couldn't no, spot it, but no, I was hoping I, maybe you would.
1: No, I thought you might know. I <laughs> yeah, thought you know no, thing, Chris. no, I, I didn't. I could not <laughs> see. I, I thought it might have been something to do with um, the the cuddly toy that belongs to Joe's daughter. I thought it was that.
0: Oh yeah, uh, not sure because also the, spe- yeah. the spelling was different, right? But yeah, uh, it I probably does. I pro- apologies if we've missed this, uh, but yeah, yeah. But, sorry, that was an aside. But just yeah. you know, back to the film. Uh, so that was Tiger. conversation
1: between us, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm still not
0: sure about all that. About all this, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't hit my knees a few times over the last few years, but no jury's still out for me. You know, there comes a time in our search for meaning when one realises there are
1: no answers.
0: And when you come to that unavoidable
1: realization, you either accept it or you stop living. I have so much to be thankful for, and yet every night when I climb into bed, turn off the light, and stare into the dark, I wonder: Am I right about God?
0: So, uh, directed by Alexander Milo Bischoff and co-written with Dylan Edwards, the film is about a character called Joe, who's just been released from prison. Uh, he's an he's an ex-soldier, and very much going through a, a still going through a terrible time in his life. Um, he gets shown to this sort of depressing apartment where he can start to rebuild his life. Um, he tries to sort of keep to himself a lot, but his plan, we discover, is to make enough money to get back to Scotland to be uh, with his uh, his daughter, who he mm. often narrates uh, letters to uh, mm. through the film. Um he falls in with a... Uh, well, it was the leader of a group, like a, an Alcoholics Anonymous type group. Um, he falls in... with Neil, uh, played by Sean, G- Sean Dooley. Yeah. Uh, was, he falls in with him and they, the two kind of become friends and then Neil offers him a job and things start to look like they're kind of picking up uh, for Joe. Unfortunately, something happens in his apartment that causes him to have to go on the run mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. The rest of the film is seeing him basically try and make his way back to Scotland, encountering a few people on the way, uh, such as an uh, ex-soldier that he, he served with. Uh, there's some other people on the way that he meets um, on his bicycle. <laughs> He's on his bike for, for most <laughs> of the think. film. Yeah. Now, um, it's not a light film by no, any means. This is a dark not. drama, uh, but it is an absolutely brilliant one. Yeah. I thought this was incredible. What did you think of Tiger, right?
1: I loved it. Absolutely loved this. It's grim. Two words I wrote down when I was watching this film. Grim and riveting. It's absolutely compelling. You can't take your eyes off it for a a second. Brilliantly acted. Brilliantly written. I think Dylan Edwards um, is excellent as Joe. Sean Dooley, who will be, be familiar to listeners, Appears in film and TV frequently, very busy actor, but a great supporting actor. And it made me think out how, how important supporting actors are to any film, that they do make the film tick over. And uh, the, the exchanges between Joe and Neil, because Neil's uh, a reformed addict, isn't he, Who who's kind of like a counsellor to Joe. I thought he was excellent. I thought the script was brilliant. What You know what I loved about the scripts here was that it's quite sparse. They didn't feel the need to fill the script uh, with lots of words. They didn't feel the need to, f- to fill the film with lots of dialogue. And mm-hmm. we mentioned about silence being worked into a script. They do that very well here, particularly when Neil and Joe are in the car together and Joe says to Neil, what made you stop? And 10, 15 seconds pass by before he reveals the reason why he stops. Do you know the part of the film I'm talking about? Yeah,
0: yeah. That scene was absolutely heartbreaking. It wasn't was.
1: That uh, intense, <laughs> wasn't that intense though?
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I think that I 100% agree with you about yeah. the power of a supporting actor, and I think Dooley does that amazing yeah. in this film because alone. Dylan Edwards says great. You know, he done, there's a lot of scenes actually where he is alone. But I think without that foundation of him and Neil mm. it, in that that beginning part of the film, the rest of it would have not felt anywhere near as, as breathtaking as it was. Yeah. Because you get that emotion. And it's not just the story, it's just the way that Sean Dooley does that scene. He does it incredibly I, I was mesmerized and I was absolutely heartbroken I don't want to say no. what the story is but no. as a parent listening to yeah. that story my god that was hard to listen to I know, um, amazing amazing section yeah I you love that bit uh, and
1: I, fa- I found it I was really surprised by it this film delivered a number of emotional punchlines that I wasn't expecting and that was one of them really uh yeah, it, it's, it's kind of that type of film you think, well, wow, I feel quite drained th- through watching that, but I'm glad I did watch it. Yeah. You know, it's that type of, you know, when he comes out of prison, this is where I think it's so well observed because he's a, an army veteran, Afghan veteran, reform reforming drug addicts. You know, he's put up with a lot in his life. He comes out of prison and he enters he something resembling a prison where he's in this tower block even though he's free, he's not. He's kind of imprisoned in another way, isn't he? Living with unsavory types, you know. It's almost like he's living a similar life to what he lived in, inside. So I, I think that's quite acute the way they've observed the experience of an ex con, someone coming out of prison without any immediate prospects of of work. But, yeah, it's more like his psychological state,
0: right? Yeah. He, he when you when he comes out, and even like throughout the film, you're watching him. You're like. This is a guy that's never left prison. Like, he's not yeah. left really, like, emotionally yeah. and psychologically. And, exactly. and yeah. he is uh, driven, you know, by this uh, destination. And um, we I won't go into it, but yeah. he's driven to do this journey. And, you know, he's, he's absolutely set on it. So much so. But that's, you can't help but watch it feeling so sad for him that. He's not finding peace. He's not finding you know what he should have found with his freedom, yeah. and yeah, it's uh, it, one of those films. Like you say, it isn't upbeat. It's not. It's very grim. Like you watch it, it's so grim, it but always, but yeah. done in a way that is so enjoyable. It's not the right word, but it is enjoyable. You watch it. You want to watch it. You want to see more of it. You want to feel those tears running down your face when you're watching it. Yeah. When he has these you know, moments, when he has that, I think it. It touches on lots of different themes as well, like about uh, war, like PTSD, addiction, mm, yeah. um, all these things that sort of come up uh, naturally through yeah. history. And, and it's, but also it doesn't just do that. There's there's visuals that are amazing. That like he's by the mm. sea um, at the beginning. Is it Margate? I think he comes into. too? I read yeah, Jason. It, yeah, this is Kent, Margate. isn't it? It's the Kent yeah. Coast, isn't it? <clears throat> <clears throat> so you know it, it's also got those elements to it to make it really powerful it's beautifully filmed uh, it looks the part and i i just sometimes you finish a film and you just kind of take a little a few moments to just kind of yeah. just breathe it in Do and you, this was one yeah. of them um yeah i thought this was phenomenal absolutely yeah. phenomenal i know um tiger yeah, yeah strongly recommend it yeah
1: <laughs> no doubt it. about it like you know the you you fight you reach for so many superlatives about a film like this, and you, none of it seems quite good enough. Yeah,
0: yeah, you kind yeah. of struggle to. It's, yeah. It was more how you felt like if you could yeah. have been there when you felt it, it. Yeah, um, it's spelled T Y G E R, um, and this film is available to watch and. Wow. I do you know what I don't often say this but stop listening to this podcast and go watch it. Um I think it deserves it it's it's available um on a few streaming platforms. The filmmaker did actually uh, I think the producer Olga uh had messaged me or or one of the from people from the film. 12th of February it was released uh, Prime Video, iTunes and Google. So you have no reason not to go watch this. Um I th- yeah. I think it's a rental um if you're going to watch it in those places but yeah, hundred percent recommend it because Definitely. this is that type of film that, like some of the films we review at the beginning of the the show, it won't get the views that um, it deserves. Um, I could say thing, that, because yeah. yeah. even if one person yeah. on the planet doesn't watch it, then it didn't yeah. get the views it deserves. Well, exactly. uh, yeah. So I really, really loved it. Um, yeah. Tiger, go see it. Now, what are you doing? Go. Why are you still listening? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's probably because we've got one more film to review, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. that's probably why you're still nostalgic here listening. Nostalgic isn't it? Yeah, like I understand. People do tune in for the nostalgic slot. Um, so if this is your first time to UK Film Club, um, we review a film from the past that we like to revisit. Or maybe it's our first time seeing it, but it's just something that a lot of people talk about. And recently we've been tying these into new releases as well, where possible. So we did June last uh, episode because part two was coming out. And this month, if you didn't get it from my jingle at the beginning of the episode, (laughs) um, is the 1984 Ghostbusters film. Now, mm. I believe uh, our friends at the Phantom Zone also were covering this in an episode. Oh, okay. So Chris, Ian and the gang, please don't shoot us for also covering it. Um, yeah. It's a film that deserves lots and lots of people chatting yeah. about it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and this is tied into the, the release of the new uh, Ghostbusters film in March, uh, if you're uh, up for that. But... Um, Ghostbusters, Brian. Now, I'm always intrigued to know where you stand with nostalgia films in terms of because sometimes I say, "Oh, you know, how many times did you see this?" and you say, "Oh, I saw it when it came out, and that was it
1: well, yeah. is that true for Ghostbusters? Not quite. I, I I saw it when it when it first came out. Went to the cinema and saw it. I can't believe it's forty years old in 1984. That is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> but I've seen it a few times since then. But I've not. This was the first time I'd seen it in maybe eight or nine years. So, um, it's, it kind of feels relatively new, but it's, of course, it's a, it's a film I know so well and, and it's, it's a film that I, I love more, more now than ever. It, it's, it's great. It's such a simple storyline to start with. Um, you know, you've got these three parapsychologists who suddenly lo- lose their university funding and they set up shots as, as a ghost removal service, as you do, as one does, um, And it just tells the story of how they attract frightened, sometimes skeptical customers. And the two things stand out about this film. Having watched it now, after 40 years, 40 years after I first saw it, two things stand out. One is is how well the special effects have have held up. You know, if you think of how the way, of how film technology has evolved over the last 40 years, The special effects in this film are still good. They're still decent. And secondly, um, I've been reminded how funny it is. And of course, if if you've got good lines in a film and you've got Bill Murray, who are you going to give the lines to? You're (laughs) going to give the lines to Bill Murray, aren't you? There are so many good lines in it. No job is too big. No fee is too big. Um, (laughs) Let's split up and we can cause more damage that way. You know, These are just great lines. They still sound fresh to me. Uh, the um, the other I suppose the other thing that strikes me about Ghostbusters is the, the strength of branding in the film, you've got that great logo that appeared on every t-shirt and kitchen magnet you, you can imagine, it was everywhere they had the title song sung by Ray Parker Jr that was everywhere when it came out so they had really really got strong branding to, for the film and it's a It's a franchise that I welcome with open arms because the characters are so strong. I loved Afterlife. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the latest instalment. But it's such a great film, great memories. And it still wears well after all these years.
0: Yeah, I I echo what you say. I I definitely think it's a film that doesn't... I mean, yeah, it looks dated, but it doesn't look dated. It's still effective for what it's doing, especially dealing with the, the... is it called the paranormal? Is that yeah. is that the right phrase? Paranormal that you've got that quirkiness to it, but some of it is still genuinely scary. I yeah, i not no. well, was scary. I wasn't like behind the sofa, but well, no. But I mean, there's a bit where they're in the library and all the cards fly out, yeah. and I was like, it's a practical effect. You know, that's yeah. not been done with computers, and it's no. brilliant. It works amazing.
1: No. That's, that's um, yeah. yeah. That's what what I felt was that the special effects are still good. They hold up. They still provoke a reaction you don't feel you don't laugh at it and say oh look at that look how ridiculous that is you know it's not it's very well yeah. done yeah you it, it
0: definitely it doesn't do that does it it keeps its quality about it that yeah. you're still watching it enjoying it for what it was meant to be enjoyed for yeah. whereas when we watched June last month yeah. I remember watching that feeling. oh my god this feels like a relic a an enjoyable one it felt like yeah. an absolute slog getting through that film yeah Whereas Ghostbusters, I enjoyed every minute. Yeah. I finished it, and I was like, "I'm going to watch the second one." You know, and I, I'm definitely, you know, that's just how you, these films feel. And there's a reason that they keep coming back to these sort of films because they know that they've been done so well that yeah. the audience is so invested. That they, they're hoping that they're going to keep the the heights of these originals. Yeah. Um, I'm always a fan of Rick Moranis if he turns up in anything, and I think the fact that he's only really a secondary character in there so i yeah. was like "Ah, oh, I, I want to see more of him um yeah. but it's a great cast sigourney weaver is terrific yeah. um yeah. it's ernie hudson he's in it as well yeah. uh really just such a strong film
1: even down to the gray boiler suits that they wear it's all part of a great image builds a great image for the film the characters uh the storyline you know and it's a dead simple storyline to follow. You know, there's nothing particularly elaborate or challenging about it. You, don't, you know, it doesn't need it, really. You know, it's all about buying into that experience, you know. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I don't suppose that I could say I enjoyed it as much as I did the first time I saw it. Because nothing can beat the impact of seeing a film for the very first time. But, you know, nostalgia can bring can trigger great memories and also reminds you what of what great filmmaking is about.
0: You know? This and definitely I'll... fell well into the nostalgia category for me because yeah. I grew up with a brother who was four years older than me mm. and he would show me films that to be honest, were probably a bit inappropriate. And Ghostbusters right. fell into that category. Ghostbusters, I found terrifying when I was watching it as a, yeah, young, well, young, a young boy. Kid. Yeah, I guess it, it it like, a especially the, I mean, in the first film, it was the hellhounds, the dogs. I always yeah. terrified them. In the second film, it's the painting. I, I The painting, that just creeps me yeah. out. It still creeps me out, to be honest. Yeah. But the first film, yeah, those dogs. Um, but there's lots of bits in this that are pretty ter- terrifying to a child. Yeah. Um, but it also really reminded me of so many great um stories from my childhood because we had the we had the Ghostbusters car. We actually had it as a toy. And wow,
1: I was gonna mention that earlier on actually. Yeah.
0: So I had that toy and yeah. I, this is great memory I have of us as kids and we had a family cat called Bubbles who right. she got in through the back of the car.
1: Oh, through right. the boot
0: and would and would push the car along like, <laughs> through the yeah. and that came back to me uh the yeah. stay puffed big thing you know that yeah. was like a visual memory oh from my Mr. Childhood. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mr.
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah the marshmallow man kind of Mr. thing
1: marshmallow man yeah marshmallow yeah man. that
0: yeah. there's so many bits of this film that i was like oh yeah i remember that i remember that yeah. so yeah it felt like a real trip back to you know, childhood
1: also the yeah the 80s was a pivotal time for the film industry in general because I think the they cottoned on to, in the 80s in a big way, they cottoned on it to branding, merchandising. Uh, they realised how important a good soundtrack was to a, a film as well. So I think during the 80s in general, there were some great films made because you had it was a potboiler. You had all these relatively new creative talents coming into the, into the genre, into the game and you, you just had great, great films. I think the 80s, a bit like pop music, really. Um, the 80s was a great time for films, and they may have, who knows, they may have reached their peak in the 80s. You know, the, these days, I, I think you you get films that are are good, but very few are great. I, and it's something I always return to, and it's not just. That's what nostalgia does, Chris. I think it reminds you of what great filmmaking is. And you don't necessarily get it these days. It's it's a rarer thing. Back then, you were tripping over great films. Well, hopefully
0: next month we'll see the
1: release of a great film.
0: Uh, mm. So if you're listening to this when it's come out in Feb um, or early March, uh, Ghostbusters: Frozen Empire comes out on March 22nd. So very intrigued to see because I, I yeah you know, I've liked I've liked all the um, recent ones. Um, mm. I've, I I don't think there's been a Ghostbuster films that I haven't enjoyed uh i have been told that the new film the previous cast members do have more kind of to do in it they're not just cameos there's a bit more sort of to them. yeah there. um but i love paul rudd as well Really looking forward mm. to him uh, um james acaster's in the the new film so i'm looking forward to seeing what he does yeah. uh in there but yeah um if you haven't seen the original ghostbusters film it's available on now tv so if you've got Sky Cinema, or one of those packages, or the now TV movies, uh, it's in there. And it just You just will have fun with this film if yeah, you go absolutely. and watch it. If you don't have fun with it, then, well, maybe there's something wrong with you. Yeah, you know. well, yeah, I know. maybe. Yeah, I don't, I I don't, don't want to diagnose without actually speaking personally, but
1: you would wonder, I guess you might wonder, wonder but hey, what the hell? But no, <laughs> what the hell? Well, you know. But yeah, great entertainment. You you can't really um, beat something that's just so relatable. It's such a great film to watch, and I, I think with the new films coming out, it's attracting a new audience, isn't it? As well, it will be curious It should be curious about where 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 the genre, where the um, where the series came from, where the franchise came from. Where did it all start? Where did it all begin? And that's what it gives you.
0: Yeah, and also it just makes a lot more sense as well when you've got these other characters turning up. You know, you don't think who are these people that? Yeah, you need to know that. Um, And that's the end of the episode. Wow, I mean, this is an absolute BMF of an episode. If you've stuck Uh with us through all this, uh, congrats. Well, well done! Yeah, um, we don't give out physical badges. We just ask that you make yeah. one yourself and yeah. yeah, just pop it on your lapel or something. <laughs> you know, um, but do send a pic. We'd love to see them. Um, yeah, thank you very much for joining us, Brian. Thank you as always for seeing. A lot of the cinema films, as well as everything well, else that I throw at you, this was a big <laughs> list this month. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't like thinking that you've got nothing to do. I just think I never get bored. Yeah, yeah, if you've got a minute
1: spare, then I'll just give you another film. Yeah, no, review. I never get bored. Yeah, no chance yeah. Of getting bored. You know, yeah. keep me busy.
0: Yeah. Um, thank you to all the indie filmmakers uh, who sent us their films. And yeah, if you want to do that, then head to the website ukfilmreview.co.uk. There is a button, a big button that says "Get Reviewed," and you can click that. Um, if you message me saying how do I get my film reviewed, I might be sarcastic like Bill Murray in Ghostbusters, okay? I make it very easy for you to get reviewed. I have a button that says get reviewed, okay? Click it. Mm, be,
1: <laughs> it couldn't be simpler, could it, really? Yeah,
0: No, it's fine. I understand. People are busy. Maybe they just want to ask. That's fine. You can ask. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, please um, do share, subscribe, and all those things. It helps us reach so many more people that we want to be part of the community. Um, and If nothing else, just put this episode on again you know just replay it you don't have to listen to it necessarily but mm. dip in and out put it just on the low it, volume put it, it in
1: the background you know yeah it
0: can be, it can be mood music can not it really our dulcet tones can just yeah. you know, accompany you on a long drive or a train <laughs> journey <laughs> you know um yeah. but yeah thank you as always uh to everyone for listening we really do appreciate it but that is your lot uh thank you and goodbye bye for now